a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. You know, but if the busboy at that restaurant and you're there simply to clear tables and you notice that there's people that aren't coming in, it's not your job to start changing aspects of the restaurant because it's not your restaurant. So the question is, is whose church is it? I mean, if it's right. if it's our church, then we better get busy and start doing all these things because it's up to us to, quote, grow the church. But if it's right. the Lord's church, he's the one who gets to call the shots. Did you hear what it says? The church is not a monster with two heads. There's only one head, Jesus and Peter. <laughs> wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. That's, Hold <laughs> on. I can count. Jesus, one. <laughs> Peter, two. Firmly in the realm of mundane routine, this is Table Talk Radio. And, uh, Pastor, ready for another mundane show? Mundane routine. Is that your buzzword? No. I just, you know, some things you do because you have to, some things you do because you want to, and some things you yep. do just because you always have done it. And I think that we're Just in... try to live up to your mom's expectations. <laughs> I mean, mom's there in town. She says, don't you do a radio show still? All right. Well, I, I thought instead of using the laugh track today, we would have mom in studio. So that would be yeah, a live better. in studio guest. If you hear roaring laughter, as you probably will, <laughs> it's, and it's not your own laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I, by the way, someone apparently we were said something funny one time, and someone told me that they were listening and they had to pull over because they were they were crying. I don't believe that's true. Oh man. There's a couple of ways to get tears into people's eyes. <laughs> they said it was laughter. I don't know if I believe them. I, 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 I believe that. I believe there were tears. I just don't believe it came from laughter. This is, you know, helpful for your summer road tripping. Kids, if you guys don't settle down, I'm putting Table Duck Radio on. <laughs> like, no, well please, behaved. Just, just turn around. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't anything but table talk radio. Someone break the radio. Can we pull the wires out of the speaker? All right. Well, after some buzzwords, we're going to be playing. I don't know what the order is here. That wasn't really discussed. You know, show prep. Well, is, let's put the. Is, why don't we put the um the the different games into our wheel decide thing and let oh, it decide for us? Yes, Pastor will probably remember this little random thing selector, and so uh, he's going to do that for us. Okay, so our our. Well, we only have, what, two things going on? Do we have three things going on? Uh, I think we got uh, I think we got three things, and that is Super Game, the Babylon B Sermon Generator, and Bumper Sticker Church Sign. Okay. So let me put those in the wheel here while you do your buzzword here. All right. Well, I was going to tell you that my buzzword is brought to you by Hannah, uh, not your daughter Hannah, but uh, the listener Hannah, which is a pretty good distinctive between your daughter and a listener named Hannah. <laughs> um, but Hannah writes to us. Uh, she says, Dear Pastor Gigline and Pastor Wolfmuller, I am a young girl who listens to your show. I am learning computer programming and have made a buzzword generator. So, Whoa. Hannah, thank you for getting our uh, buzzwords today. And Pastor Wolfmuller, the random buzzword generator for you has uh, been selected as propitiation. Wow. Um, now this is, oh, I guess I have to define propitiation. Uh, propitiation is, now I always get these things confused. Um, it's the, uh, the, uh, uh, is this the satisfaction for, for a, um, 
for a, for a debt for a transgression that the a satisfaction has to be made. Now you make a distinction between propitiation and something else. Expiation. Expiation. G- give give me that distinction. Uh, yeah, I do one more make time. that distinction, Doctor. Uh, let's see if I can get to that. So they both have to do with ending anger. So there is an offense that's caused. Um, uh, and this, and one has to do with the correction of the offense, and the other has to do with the correction of the person. Uh, so, in other words, if I if I go and I break your car window, and then you're mad at me, so then I come and uh, and I I propitiate, I fix the window, and then you are expiated. You are no longer mad at me. Something like so that. The that's pro- the distinction. The I think that's the way that it goes. Is f- fixing the wrong, but expiation is solving the anger is would that be a way to say I it? I think so no I do not think that there's an actual distinction in the Greek word the the word hilasterion mm. is to expiate propitiate it's all the same uh, well, it's all bound up in the same action and that goes back to the mercy seat remember that's what the mm-hmm. that's what the Greek called that the seat of the ark of the covenant the hilasterion which means mm, well, it's where the blood covers the law. That's what it, what's going on there. So. Yeah, we can apply this now then to to God, and and this is the thing that our sin um, does bring about the righteous wrath of God. Now, all of the um, wacky, weird theologies that are out there, you know, like Calvinism. No, I'm just kidding. Um, they, they they all they all in some way. Uh, neglect this teaching of the wrath of God, which, which is why I was kidding about Calvinism because they are actually okay on this. Um, but uh, but it, it, any kind of like liberal theology, um, they, or, or this uh, uh, emergent church type stuff, you have a theology where the kingdom of God is somehow coming by us giving money to the poor or something like this, and so you know God's love is being seen in our actions and this kind of stuff. But what that never, ever addresses is the fact that we, by our sins, have angered God, and that has to be propitiated, right? That, I mean, that, that sin right. has, to be, has to have an answer. And the answer that's provided is in, in the atoning death of Jesus. And that's the, the, the center of our theology. Um, when, when Rome quit caring about that offense um, and started playing fast and loose with... Um, Kind of a infused grace or a uh, um, uh, centering in on the the, uh, the indulgences is because they lost track of of a guilt that is that exists between us and God because of our sins and it has to be covered over. So I think propitiation is a good one to uh, keep heart and center in our theology. I think you're right about that. And looking up just real briefly, it looks like the propitiation is what has to do with the person, and the expiation is what has to do with the crime. So, to other the, way around, uh, fixing the window is the expiation, and the you being now pleased with me, so pleased, is the propitiation. My buzzword for you is metanoia. That means repentance, uh, in Greek. It's nice. See how it's in Greek, so you'll never get it. Mm-hmm. Metano- repentance embraces two parts. The first is contrition. The second is faith. So the first is the is the offspring of the law. God's law is preached to us, and uh, contrition is born. And then the second is the offspring of the gospel. The gospel is preached to us, and faith is born. And so, um, so metanoia is what happens when the Lord brings His law and His gospel to bear on us. Now, um, a lot of people like to define um, metanoia as turning from one's sins, and then that has its application as when I quit my sin and then I'm repent 
I'm repentant. What do you think of that? Um, that is uh, wrong. But it's kind of the word is under there. Now, Pastor Flammy's drawing. He's he's wildly gesticulating, saying I have the word wrong. Metanoia'o is the verb <laughs> to repent. Metanoia means repentance. Wait, do you that have an audience on your side, manner. too? Apparently I do. Pastor Flammy's wandered in here. It's nice to have he a wants, little... He probably wants to be on the show. He's asking, where's the second microphone? It's nice to have a little so. theological review over in Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him know. Pastor Gagline appreciates the theological review. <laughs> he gave me the flammy look. <laughs> we need to give him a kill switch. <laughs> <laughs> no. no that is not. All right. Why don't the you show hit would the, be over already. <laughs> we have a couple of minutes left in the segment. Why don't you hit the random game selector, and we'll figure out what okay. we're doing first. The wheel decide says, let's see, number one, we will do bumper sticker theology. Okay. Number two, we will do random sermon generator, and then that makes number three the super game. Okay. Now, what's the super game all about? Is that going to come later? That super game is, yeah, it's from a guest who, uh, a guest, uh, from a listener who suggested that we do answer the question as and name that theologian all together as one monstrous super game. This is where you break a theological leg trying to play this game at home, but Uh, we're going to give it a shot. All right. That sounds like a disaster. We're going to give it a shot. Can't wait. All right. right, Let's hit some uh, bumper sticker church sign right off the bat. Well, I'm not sure that this qualifies as a church sign. However, I think the game can still be played. This was found on eastbound Interstate 90, on the shoulder, on a lone oak tree in a meadow in Wisconsin. (laughs) And it simply says, Jesus is, two exclamation points. God's blessings on your day. Well, thank you very much. So I don't know we're playing church in a meadow sign theology but um we can this make is it like a it's like a oak tree sticker theology mm. that is a sentence jesus is exclamation exclamation huh on a lone oak tree in a field in wisconsin eastbound on i-90 i passed a sign and it said it's like a country song jesus is <laughs> So what and do you it got make, me thinking. What do you make of this? Is, it got it, me thinking this. It got me thinking I should call Table Talk Radio. <laughs> leave a voice. I know. It is amazing that whenever someone finds some kind of a nonsensical theological sign, their first reaction is to call Table Talk Radio. Hey, you know who needs to know about this? <laughs> Those guys, Table Talk Radio. <laughs> now they're not so ignorant. <laughs> All right. In, in 30 seconds, do you have any thoughts on this sign on a, well, a it's tree? A, it's a true statement. Jesus is, and I suppose it stands in contradiction to all the false statements, which would be like, Jesus is not. Um, <laughs> you, all you those know the, people I out mean, there saying just, Jesus is not, I just, you know, they don't know. Yeah, right. The fool says in his heart there is no God. The, I mean, perhaps the wise man says that Jesus is. I don't know. I guess I don't so. know what else to do with it. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's... the Lord told Moses, tell them I am sent you. Same thing, sort of. All right, we need to take yeah. a break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. I knew there was something I was forgetting to do. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, uh, Serious Theology 
Seriously bad hosts. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. This, this bump music to... really gets me in the mood for, you know, bumper stickers. <laughs> I think uh, those are really starting to grow on me. I'm starting to... These bump songs are, they're like the bumper stickers of music. <laughs> if it's you like, have... You ter- know, you see the bumper sticker and you're like, man, you put that on the car and it just decreases the value by like $1,000. And that's the same <laughs> thing with the... You play that and it just decreases the value of our show. That seems to imply that there that there is value to begin with. <clears throat> If you have church signs or bump stickers, you can give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA. You might want to save that number right in your phone, 1-800-385-7652. And put on speed dial, actually. Speed dial, number make one. Sure, number ma- two. Make sure you're... Uh, Wife, you're- number one. Pastor, number two. Table Talk Radio, number three. Speed <laughs> number three? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, make sure your your phone can can call that number by voice command, you know, like... Uh, okay, Google, call the number right now. Call, call Table Talk Radio. Call, call the, the Theological Disaster I, I Hotline. Let's see what happens with All that. Right, I'm, uh, I'm going to try that. Okay. Well, we happens. are listening to your voicemails, and here's call another the one. the Theological Disaster Hotline. <laughs> Let's see what comes up. Con- Toll-free number for disaster assistance, FEMA.gov. Yeah. Failure. Failure. All right, here's the next one. It's a bumper sticker for you. Arkansas. I've got a bumper sticker for you. If it's not fun, why do it? Well, David, I have an answer for you. One, the audience expects it. In fact, they expect it every week. Number two, Evan always calls me and says, are we going to do this show this week? I don't, I don't Number think, three, every now and again, we hear from people who say that there's some sort of benefit from this thing. So those are the three reasons for me that if it's not fun, I'm still going to do it. I don't, I, just, I don't think the bum sticker is talking about the radio show. <laughs> but I do yeah, think the, it's I thought the bumper sticker was, yeah. Evan and Brian, if it's not fun, why do you do it? <laughs> you know, try to, Evans would try to outsource this thing forever. Yeah. Trying to find someone else. I, my my well, hope was to to green to, of intelligence to sell this whole show to a buyer for like ten. <laughs> I, it was a startup. Yeah, it was a startup venture. <laughs> this is like the internet start. We're gonna go. We're gonna have a, a uh, initial public offering. Table Talk Radio stock. <laughs> Everyone's gonna gather up all their points that they've been collecting all these six years. <laughs> Put them all in a heap. Can you imagine? You just crash a six stock. years. Where have you been? You missed a few years there. How long have we been doing this? Nonsense? We've been doing this for I think ten years now, uh, nine or nine or ten years. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. Almost a decade this has been going on, and for some reason the Lord hasn't prevented it. I'm almost too old for this, really. <laughs> I mean, really, at some point, it's going to be like you're an old man. You know, I don't have like endless youth like Swirla and the ability to goof around, even though I'm 65 years old. At some point. Do you have anything else to say about this bumper sticker that says if it's not fun, why do it? This worldview, the worldview catalog for this, if it's not fun, why do it, is what we call hedonism, hedonistic Epicureanism. We can can really drill down on this thing. So you have the broader view, the broader philosophy of Epicurus, which says, uh, eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we will die. Epicurus, 
Epicureanism, Epicureanism says that the main end of life is pleasure, but Epicurus himself will remember to find pleasure as a lack of pain. But it doesn't take much to go from a lack of pain to a maximizing of actual pleasure, and that pleasure comes in many forms. Hedonistic Epicureanism would be maximizing the pleasures of this life, and that's the era that we live in, and I would define that as that's what fun would be. Now, fun, we should have a lot of things that should be fun. We should rejoice in a lot of different things, being with our family, uh, studying the Lord's Word. We should These should all fall into the category of fun and also in the category of good and true and beautiful. But if you reduce fun down to fun, then you you get into that hedonistic Epicureanism. Now, the uh, trouble with this hedonism is something that I, I found out this week has a name. Have you heard of this? The paradox of hedonism. No, that's a new one. you heard that? Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's a, it, And the paradox of hedonism is this. You can look it up on the Wikipedia and see that it's a real thing. That's what I did. Did That's you, I know did you write the article? No, oh, okay. I didn't even write it. I don't know how to write things on Wikipedia, man. If I ever figured that out, Look Wikipedia out. would be a different kind of place. Internet, watch out. <laughs> Someone send me the instructions. It's probably right on there. I bet you you look on Wikipedia and it says... I can see you. I bet you. you there's a Wikipedia article about how to write on Wikipedia. I can see you just making up words and writing a whole article just made up on this fictitious thing and seeing if it flies on Wikipedia. You know how, to, you, if you just want an indicator of if I've figured out how to write an article on Wikipedia or not, is just to search Wikipedia and see if there's an article on Brian Flammy. <laughs> and as long as there's not an article, that means I have not figured out how to write it yet. But as soon as that article shows up, you know. All right, everybody look. Anyhow, <laughs> the paradox of, uh, the paradox of uh, hedonism is that, there, uh, that the pursuit of pleasure in and of itself results oftentimes in a lack of pleasure. So, for example, say you just you want to eat mm. because you're like, hey, I'm a glutton, so I'm just going to eat. And the result is you eat too much and then it hurts. So that our body kind of have, has like a pleasure kill switch. So if you just are chasing after uh, pleasure for its own sake, the result is you lose everything. This is, I mean, the, the paradox of hedonism was discovered long ago by King Solomon and also by every hedonist. Uh, but especially Solomon writes about it in Ecclesiastes, and he talks, you know, this is vanity. You just, there's nothing there. You just can't chase after pleasure because it's not something that is, it, it's not something that exists in itself. Pleasure is always a, a result. It's a, uh, you know, a, a symptom of something else. It's so, not a So this is kind of like how the people who win the lottery always end up really poor and miserable because they just blow all their money. I mean, there's no, oh, what, uh, working That's towards things. They just blow their money that, or whatever. I, that could be an example. Or the celebrity, the celebrity world, you know, have like they're on their fortieth marriage or something like this, because um, they have the entire world, you know, just idealizing them all the time, and and they can do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a, you know, I like the most dangerous thing in the world to be is a professional singer, you know, like a, a rock star. I mean, they know, that, that's like, why the average, I laid aside the, the microphone average age a long of a time star. ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I could have made it, but I, I was wise enough to see the dangers. Uh-huh. I mean, what's the, what is the average age of a pop star? We, we should do a uh, – uh, uh, we should get lumpy on this. What is the average lifespan of a person who's had a number one billboard hit? You know, I bet you it is just – I bet it's half the normal age. You hear these guys, you know, overdose and kill themselves. 
I mean, it's it's nothing. And then, then the second most dangerous uh, uh, thing to be is a movie star. Same sort of problem. It seems like the musicians have a shorter lifespan than the movie stars, but it's not. It's I bet it's not that well, much different. And I then, think... like number three is crab fishing in Alaska. But those first two <laughs> jobs are particularly dangerous. I heard loggers have a pretty pretty hard life. Um, but but I think. I think you have an interesting point with between the movie stars and the uh, the musician. I think part of that is the the cult that goes along with touring from city to city in their in their concerts. So you have like the groupies, the the drugs that go along with that. So so and like your life is one big party night after night after night. Where the movie stars they can certainly organize their own parties, but their job doesn't necessarily entail going you know from concert to concert where people are just screaming at you, adoring you, um, night after night. So I don't know if there's a a point there or not, but um, okay. So uh, hedonism would be the world. Look at this. For that. I found an article. It says, uh, uh, "It says how the genre of music ex- affects life expectancy of famous musicians." Hmm. Wow. This is, I got to do some deep research here. All right. Well, on un- the job. until Kill then, time. let's let's hit another voicemail. Church sign. Sin. It seemed like a good idea at the time. This was posted by our local LCC congregation here uh, in Manitoba, Canada. Thanks, guys. Love the show, even though it's so mediocre. Well, thank you. All right, Sin, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Now, this is sort of following on the heels of what you just said here. This is the the paradox Uh, of hedonism. Yeah. Look at this. 36% of metal musicians die of accidental causes and 19.3 die of suicide hmm. and look at this rap and hip-hop 51 percent die of murder homicide wow that's insane 28 percent of blues artists die of heart related issues <laughs> that's weird uh significantly above the overall average rate for cause of death uh Man, this is really interesting. Uh, an exceptionally large number of folk musicians die of cancer. That's I don't know what the correlation there is. That's amazing. So punk, accidental death, 30%. Mm. And suicide, 11%. Accidental as in See, ju- jumping off of some big platform and then learning about gravity or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, huh, that's really something. Now, see, this is this thing. Okay, so now we're on to this next bumper sticker, which says, it, which is related, and it says, what did it say? Sin, it seemed like a good idea at the time? Yep. That's a, This is part of the way that the devil works, We and we should recognize it, because remember when the devil is tempting us, he is exercised, um, not always, but m- many times he's exercising a, uh, it's an exercise of justification. And so the devil is going to put a particular sin in front of you, and he's not going to say, oh, man, this is going to wreck your life. Oh, man, this is going to destroy your reputation. Oh, man, this is going to, you know, really make the people you love angry or whatever. But he's, he, he's justifying it so that it seems like it's something good. Yeah, good for you or whatever uh, in the flesh. Yeah. So this is so we can recognize the devil as a preacher when it comes to times of temptation. I'll be right back.
We don't contribute to the pop culture. It's not a radio show. That's right. It's a relationship. Stay tuned. Whoever wrote that probably is dying of cancer right now. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. A question for all of our pastor listeners is sermon preparation, taking too much time out of your work week. Well, we have the solution for you. Tell us about it, Pastor Wolfmiller. Yeah, uh, we have found, this is totally serious, uh, with the sermon generator on the Babylon Bee. Where is that? i got to get to it here. You know, our Babylon Bee, that's, I don't even read uh, CNN or... Um, Fox News or anything anymore. I just get all my news from the Babylon Bee. That's why I'm so informed. Obviously. Uh, sermon prep. There so it is. can I? Am I it, able to give you the points and then you can you can write the sermon? Um, is that how this works? Yeah. Oh, 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 is that how you want to do it? Well, let's just generate a few sermons and see how which one we want to do here. Okay. Wait a minute. Well, this isn't the Babylon B sermon. I just pulled up Babylon eight sermon prep hacks that will change the way you preach forever. This is the wrong one. Uh, here, here, here's the Babylon B tips for sermon. You ready for this? We'll get this. In. So start with the meaning you want, and then contort the Bible passage to fit in. <laughs> That's already number what two. Most open. Do. Go ahead. Right. Open lo- open Logos software, then minimize it while you kill time on Facebook for a few hours. <laughs> uh, three, binge watch Battlestar Galactica. Four, spend the majority of your prep time worrying about the way you look. Five, beer. Lots of beer. Six, don't prepare anything. Seven, consider lo- using a memorable prop like a light machine gun or a bazooka. Eight, if all else fails, steal someone else's sermon off the Internet. <laughs> Uh, this, by the, this, by the way, sounds, everything on the Babylon Bee sounds like it could be written by Hans Feeney. <laughs> I do not believe him when he says that he does not write for the Babylon Bee. Well, maybe he should. What's the pause there? So, are you still, are you writing down these tips? Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> All right, so how's this sermon generator work? Okay. okay, here I found it. Babylon Bee sermon generator. Um, sermon, it says here, here's the preface. This is the intro. Sermons can be difficult, so we decided to do all the heavy lifting for you. Below you'll find a rock-solid sermon title, <laughs> along with three great sermon points you will need to deliver an A-plus message this Sunday. There are basically an infinite number of combinations here, so if you're not crazy about the sermon you see, just hit the ba- blank button, and our magical machine will conjure up another. So, make me a new sermon, click, and it'll tell you, it'll give me Oh, I see how this works. So, I actually I still have to do the writing, but it gives me the title and the three points for me. The po- yeah. Bummer. Yeah, you can do a PowerPoint. I was hoping to give you the title and the points, and then you could just plug it in there and it'd write a sermon for me, but this will work, too. All right. No, so, it's the opposite. So, you're, so, I got one here. The sermon title is Fighting the Fires of Negativity. Oh. Point one, the power is in you. Point two. So you can dream a big dream, point three, because Jesus died for your comfort. <laughs> Fighting the fires of negativity, the power's in you. You can dream a big dream because Jesus died for your comfort. Interesting. See that? Now, what I find interesting is this last point, that Jesus died for your comfort, because that's not in the Bible, obviously. 
But uh, that is kind of how you hear a lot of preachers preach about the death of Jesus, that Jesus died not for your sins, but died for your comfort. So, you know, why should you have to live in the place that you're in if Jesus died for you? It is amazing that Jesus came up on the very first sermon generator there. Uh, I got a more seemingly accurate one uh, by pressing give me another outline. And this sermon title is Wandering Through the Words Standing in Your Way. (laughs) (laughs) Point one, God won't give you more than you can handle. Two, so you can get out of the boat. Three, because it's all about your self-esteem. That sounds like a pretty good evangelical sermon. All right, I got one for you. You ready? All right, yeah. Your sermon title is Learning to Love the Cruciform Surrounding Your Soul. (laughs) (laughs) Sermon point number one, the power is in you, so get out of your comfort zone because Jesus is your boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) This is really great. I think that this sermon generator has been around for a lot longer than we know. So apparently people have been using it. Yeah, let me see if I can get a good one. This uh, this one's like uh, Flammies from uh, from last Sunday. <laughs> Creating the Goliaths of humanness. <laughs> Victory is within your grasp, so you can dream a big dream because God is knocking on your heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's one for you. Learning to love the limits of your greatness. <laughs> Learning to love the limits of your greatness. Okay, God is that's un- like table talk radio every time. You know, I'm just trying to come to grips with the barely graspable limits of my greatness. Oh, geez. all right. Sermon point number one is God is on your side, so you can pursue inner peace because God wants you to be re- ridiculously rich. <laughs> I like how it has like a uh, shadow of Joel Osteen at the bottom here, pointing to the "Make me a new sermon." Oh, what a, what a coincidence. All right, let's do one more, That's and then strange. we'll talk a little bit about sermons. Stretching the limits surrounding your soul. <laughs> Point one. It's a religion. Not, uh, wait, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. Uh-huh. So you can do life together because <laughs> it's all about you. that's great that's great do life together we gotta be church we gotta be we gotta church church in here churchers we gotta church the church churchingly churching the churchly church we gotta we gotta we gotta life together we gotta life we gotta live life lifingly life fully together that's this is how this goes why because it's all about you it's all about you that just great you got to serve your neighbor because it's all about you that's like that church sign remember that church sign that said forgive your neighbor not for their sake but for yours yeah yeah ah this is all it's everything is you know stretching the limits surrounding your soul it's just all pure therapy nonsense it's just disastrous yeah well i mean Ah. we should talk about the, the, the 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 joke here is just the fact that they can make something like a random sermon generator and it it hits on some of the points that are so often heard in sermons today and it's i mean it's all centered in some kind of a uh, narcissism right so i mean the one that i have in front of me um you know learning to love the limits of your greatness number one god is on your side so you can pursue your inner peace because god wants you to be r- ridiculously rich i mean all of those are appealing to our selfish nature and um, that that's why these sermons um, are so popular. I mean, have you ever wondered why, you know, you hear the 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 
Christ crucified preached long gospel sermons, which is just beautiful, joyous thing. And people who haven't heard this before and then hear it and believe it and rejoice in it think it's the greatest thing they've ever heard in their entire life, and it certainly is. And then they look around like, why isn't this church completely full? Why are the church? Why is the church over there just uh, slam packed full, and they're preaching a sermon about? God, how God wants to be ridiculously rich. Well, the reason is because the sermons are appealing to people's sinful nature. I mean, it's it's the uh, tickling the ears that the scripture talks about. Yeah, that that's the picture that I was thinking of too. That Paul uses is they scratch itching ears. So, so there's the picture of uh, according to our sinful flesh, we have a thing that we want to hear, and um, and so the sermons. If you if you if someone is scratching that itch, it's it's a it's a type of theological hedonism, you see. So you're 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 giving people what they want to hear, but you're doing it under the under the guise of theology or scripture or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. It is. So um, you know, part of part of the activity of preaching that God has set up from the Garden of Eden <laughs> since the fall is a, a a preaching that goes against what you want to hear so that the you know the prophets would come and uh, proclaim the word of god and then they would be killed you know i mean nobody nobody was killing the prophets because they were preaching that god wants to be ridiculously rich you know oh and then they killed the prophets oh how you would not have the preaching that the lord would send to you <laughs> well it's because they weren't preaching that god wants to be ridiculously rich and so somehow we can get away with it today that people think yeah god God does uh, most care about my self-esteem more than anything else in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, that I mean, yeah, it's yeah, just it, a, a complete narcissism. We come, we've come back to this phrase over and over again, but may, and maybe it's because it's proved its helpfulness. This idea that our theo- the theological culture is this therapeutic, what is it, moralistic therapeutic deism? Mm-hmm. It seems like that, in, in fact, is a very accurate term, and it's the therapeutic part that really uh, is. Well, I mean, it's all destructive, but the therapeutic part is particularly destructive. It's all now about, you know, me, my own uh, self-awareness, my own self-esteem, and all this sort of stuff. I was thinking, uh, remember how, so in, I was looking at the Second Peter text the other day, and it, um, it talks about the prophets didn't speak of their own. They spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But then, so Second Peter 2 verse 1 says, there are also false prophets among the people. Uh, so that as whenever there's a prophet, there's also a false prophet. Uh, you know, the the Luther said in one of his sermons, wherever the Lord builds a church, the devil builds a bar next door. So that the there's a um, there's always a truth and a counter truth, and the counter truth is always going to present itself uh, as that which you know again meets your felt needs or whatever. It's going to always present itself more uh, smoothly, more beautifully than the truth itself does. So that people are going to be drawn away, um, it's it's it says in verse two here, and many will follow their destructive ways. So that the, the there's always going to be a crowd chasing after the false teachers, and the true teachers are always going to be standing in in a small crowd a bit by themselves. Mm, yep. Well, we need to take a break, but when we get back from this break, what? we're going to be playing a brand new game. It's a super game. It's a combo between name that theologian and answer the question as, which I don't even know why we are playing this because answer the question as by itself is a game reserved for professional theologians. And now we're mixing it with another game and we're going to try it 
This is sure to be a disaster, but what else is new? You're listening to Table Talk Radio. That super game right after this break, and then we will be right back. And then we'll be done. Yes, even better. will rejoice. Because some people have a high pain tolerance. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're going to Germany in September. Send me an email if you want more information. BeWolfMuther at gmail.com. It sounds like we're getting ready to go on a surfing competition. That would be better than what we're about to do. (laughs) That sounds like a good idea. Welcome back. (laughs) How come we're doing this radio show? It's time for the Super Game. There might be be someone listening to Table Talk Radio to get ready for a surfing competition. Look out for the sharks, friends, down there in South Africa. Is that where they go surfing? I'm sure. All right, uh, looking to play this super game. This is where we mix uh, name that theologian with answer the question asked. So how's this going to play out, Pastor Wolf Miller? Well, you got a question for me. This is how I think it's going to go. You got a question for me, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the wheel of theology here. Here's what I have on it, by the way: Lutheran, oh, nice. Catholic, Baptist, Charismatic, Liberal, Anglican. What else you want on here? Um, are we restricting it to uh, Christian denominations? No, no. Well, it depends on the question, but <laughs> well, I, w- I would kind of want to test your your knowledge here. So let's put uh, like okay. Wiccan on there. Put some Wiccan on there. Okay. Um, what else here? Uh, Epicurean hedonist. Okay, that'd be good. That that won't be too hard to come up with an answer. Uh, what else? How many you got on there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's pretty good. Um, uh, okay, so you ask me a question, then I'm gonna I'm gonna spin the wheel, and then I'm gonna try to answer the question as that theologist, and then you're gonna try to guess what theology I'm answering it as. Okay, that's how that's gonna go. All right, this sounds like now fun. if you get it right, I get points. See how that works? <laughs> Wait a minute. If I get right, do I get oh, yeah. points? Well, maybe. Maybe we'll both get points because if we manage to do this right. <laughs> this is the, again. This is I mean, this is breaking a leg kind of stuff. If uh, it's, there's a pretty good chance that I'm not, I'm gonna pass out after this, and someone's gonna need to buy me a box of cigars and put me on a river boat down the Mississippi River so I can recover. <laughs> if you get points it's by me answering correctly, I have a sense that I'm not gonna get too many right. I'm just I have not guessing. stretched yet. All right, I'm gonna answer the or I'm gonna ask the question. Are you ready? The question yeah, is, yeah, man, I'm ready. What is baptism? Okay, what is baptism? I'm spinning the wheel here. Okay. Oh, this is easy. Uh, I could actually quote what they say about baptism. (laughs) Baptism is an outward ordinance, the first act of obedience, by which we we testify to the world that we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's a symbol of dying to to our old self and rising to the new life, which is obedience to the will of God. Okay, so I noticed how um, this theologian is altering what baptism truly is, a thing that stands on God's word to make it something that stands on man's action, man's expression. 
which I happen to know also removes any comfort that. Uh, oh, by the way, you, you should. I want you to let you know that Flammy wants to hit the button. He says that my definition of baptism was wrong. Oh, the kill, <laughs> the table talk radio kill switch. <laughs> the kill switch. Where I'm answering it as a different theologian. See, so he can try to guess what theology I'm. Oh, good. I, I'm glad that he's listening. <laughs> he, I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, <laughs> he, wait a minute, you're he mistaken. Said to me, he said, <laughs> "You sound like a heretic." Right. Yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. Can you imagine yeah. if I said that in the I mean, pulpit and he I mean, would just like run across the, and tackle would, me? Yeah, he would. He would take you out. <laughs> I mean, he, he runs the room. Oh, Pastor Wolfmiller's teaching wrong about baptism again. <laughs> You did this again last week. Come on. You should have heard what he said on the radio. <laughs> All right. So um, so there's a, a clear difference in the way that baptism understood in the theologian that you're describing. So uh, re- can you read the options off again? Uh, yes. Lutheran, Catholic, Baptist, Charismatic, Liberal, Anglican, Wiccan, and Epicurean Hedonist. One of those things well, is not like the other. <laughs> All right. I'm going to guess that you were... Uh, defining baptism in the perspective of the Baptist, ironically. Yes, I was right and win. 500 points for me. <laughs> Congratulations. That's that's fantastic. That was an easy one. That was a good warm-up. All right. Uh, here's another one. Um, what will the end of the world look like? What will the end of the world look like? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we don't believe that the world actually ends. In fact, the world, our mother, endures forever. <laughs> but there are stages of rebirth and um, that happen, and not only for each person, but also for the ages. So um, rather than understanding that the world is a corrupt and, and falling apart sort of place, we, in fact, want to get in touch with the world and the universe and the power therein. And we have access to that uh, through magic with a K. Um, has Flamio broke down the door yet? I mean, does he have like, does he, he have? He left. <laughs> he says, I can't bear to hear this stuff. <laughs> I'm surprised there isn't like a dart coming into your throat. <laughs> just passing out on the table. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a poison dart just kind of all of a sudden. <laughs> what is that when you shoot down like the bears? You know, a tranquilizer. Yeah. <laughs> we each sit there in the... We should do that at church, you know. Each sit there with a tranquilizer gun in case any false doctrine comes out, you know. <laughs> and you are a blow dart, you know. I'm pretty like sure Amazon Flammy d- is no longer listening because you'd be down for the count by now, I'm sure. Um, he could I'm, give me one of those marine chop to the neck and take me out. Oh, close by. Oh, He's within range. Yeah, careful. i got to look out. I'm glad he didn't hear what. <laughs> All right. I'm going to guess that you're probably speaking from the perspective of the Wiccan. Yes! 500 more points for me. You can't resist not getting the answers right. I am pretty amazing at this. I don't actually know if that's the correct answer. How a Wiccan would think about the end of the world. (laughs) I need to have Lumpy do the research. (laughs) I mean, I may have put that entry on there on purpose because I knew you wouldn't know a lot about it, but that's just me. All right, uh, here's another question. Are you ready? Wiccan eschatology <laughs> yeah i'm ready i mean where else would you want to listen to a podcast radio show about wiccan eschatology i mean we're we're cutting edge here 
All right, here's here's your next question. What is man's fundamental problem? Okay, that's what is by man's the way a key this. theological question to decipher someone's theology. What is man's fundamental problem? Oh, okay, interesting. Man's fundamental problem is that he is separated from the life-giving power of God. And so um, uh, through, uh, through, oh, this is tricky, through, through uh, accepting Christ, and not just accepting Christ, but accepting the Spirit, the reign of the Father, and the life of the Spirit, we are restored to the life of power and intent that the Lord originally created us for. Hmm. Interesting. All right, I need you to do a run-through on those church bodies one more time. Okay, where are we here? Um, the options are uh, Lutheran, Catholic, Baptist, Charismatic, Liberal, Anglican, Wiccan, and Epicurean Hedonist. Hmm. This one's tricky. Um, so so one, one thing that didn't come up in your answer was the word sin at all. Um, so I'm going to take Lutheran off the table. Um, I would expect, even though it's not an emphasis, I would expect it to at least come up in the answer of bap- Baptist. Well, see, but, but see, what what makes me wonder about that is towards the end you mentioned making a decision or something like that. Did did you say that by accepting Christ yeah. and the and the and also the dominion of the Father and the life of the Spirit? Mm. So I mean, I, baptism is. Or Baptist is possible there. Um, you know, I, I was first thinking um, Roman Catholic when you first started talking because of this, you know, life-giving uh, maybe. But I don't know. That seems a little bit too uh, too wonky of a response even for a Roman Catholic. So um, either you're a bad Roman Catholic or <laughs> it's not Catholic. <laughs> um, hmm. So there's, you know, Anglican, but I don't think... It, I mean, are we making this distinction between um, um, Anglican and Episcopal? <laughs> uh, are you that refined in your answers? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, my answers are very precise, as you can tell. I mean, no room for wiggling around, I'm sure. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going sure. to use one of my lifelines here and uh, phone a friend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the audience and... Um, and the audience has pulled uh, charismatic, so I'm going to go with charismatic. The audience is right. <laughs> charismatic. <laughs> 500 more points for me. Uh, <laughs> well, fantastic. Credit to the audience. You could have asked me. I probably right. would have helped you. By the, look, I, I, by the way, found this on, on, um, on pagannet.org, eschatology. Yeah. This is what the witches, the wicked think about. Listen to this and tell me if I didn't hit the nail on the head. Eschatology is only a fancy word for the study of last things, that is, death, the last judgment, and so forth. For us, eschatology must have an entirely different meaning because we really have no last things. We are involved in cycles, not beginnings and endings. As pagans, we must view the entire continuum of matter, energy, life force, and even time itself as circular. We do not see these things as a piece of string with a beginning and an ending, but as the same piece of string tied together to form a circle, our circle, capital C, a repeating cyclical process. 
You got it. Congratulations. So you ended wow. up with 1,500 points. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the second coming of Jesus Thanks for listening to, to your this edition friends. of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio Listen is to this. not for everyone. Please From this before new primal supermolecule world egg, it's only reasonable to assume that the creative urge of the goddess once more will explode this primordial egg to begin a fresh creation. You realize this show's over, right? I don't have to listen. My curiosity on wicked eschatology knows no bounds. You can't stop this. Apparently. 